the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money, the podcast. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. First and foremost, I want to get this a little bit out of the way. On occasion, I do the radio show from my office, which... I put on to the podcast. When that happens, due to the technology that I'm using, the callers can't be heard. The intro music and outro music can't be heard. So it's really a chopped up version. It's it's just my voice, and I think it's pretty good stuff, pretty good content. And I usually am able to throw down about an hour of content for you. So don't email me and bitch and whine and complain and say, uh, your audio was all messed up because I know. I'm not a publisher. I don't pretend to be a publisher. I'm not trying to do this perfectly. I'm trying to get you good, solid content, and that's my goal. So today, for instance, I'm going to go down a different path. This is nothing you'll ever hear on radio in any way, shape, or form, and I think that's good. I'm going to talk a little bit about the consumer. Household consumption expenditures make up about 60% of the world's GDP. That's according to the United Nations, making it by far the largest component of a global economy. Think about that for a second. That figure has held around 60% since 1970, which is as far back as data goes for now. Consumption expenditures have grown pretty steadily over the past four decades, but the pace for that growth has differed between advanced and developing economies. Now, most people would probably use G7 as a proxy or G20 as a proxy or European Union as a proxy. They would all come up with different issues. Consumption growth in the G7 economies has, for the most part, grown steadily since the 1970s. Growth of the remaining G20 economies has taken on an exponential shape. While many developing nations have seen impressive GDP growth over the last decade, a lot of advanced economies have had to deal with two recessions. So G7 economies saw their percentage of world consumption fall to about 60.4% in 2009 after holding in the mid-60s through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Stick with me for a second here. The remaining G20 economies are trending in the opposite direction as their percentage of world consumption has doubled over the past 40 years, and it's now approaching about 20%. So consumption is growing at a slower pace in the G7 economies for a variety of reasons. You've got a 20-year quagmire of an economy in Japan. You've got the strong effects of a Great Recession, which has been exacerbated by a historical collapse in home prices. You've got an ongoing sovereign debt crisis in Europe where many countries also have aging populations. At the same time, the industrialization and urbanization continues in a lot of developing economies, led by many of the names of the G20 and China in particular. Citizens in these countries are slowly changing their financial mindsets from moving from savers to spenders. That change has been aided and will continue to be aided by the use of cultural acceptance of credit for the first time as well as some introduction of some social programs, including retirement accounts, social security, health care. That should free up some disposable income as citizens no longer need to save for such reasons. 
So the United States, we've held pretty steady as far as our percentage of world consumption, right around 30%. Japan's been 10% in the 1970s and down to about 8.6% today. Germany at 8.5% back in 1970s, about 5.6% today. So they're much lower. Now, some countries that are much higher as far as consumption, in obviously China, South Korea, Indonesia. Russia has been up and down. India has been trending higher. Brazil's just been slightly higher. So that little fact that I just gave you tells you where economies are going to grow. And where economies grow, stock markets grow. You get steady growth in the United States, but you get higher growth in China, South Korea, Indonesia. You get a lot of volatility, which is tough to invest in, in Russia. You get growth that's pretty good in India. And you get more moderate growth in Brazil. You're starting to see Germany lose their their growth as far as consumption goes, telling you, be careful. United States, Japan, and Germany are the world's largest consumers in that order. In terms of global consumption, Japan has seen its percentage of global consumption decline over the last 20 years, while Germany's decline has accelerated over the last decade. The United States, again, we've been pretty steady in the last 40 years. I throw this up because the change in consumer is an investment theme, and how you invest your dollars will depend on how your dollars play out um, in your 401k and where you're able to get better growth and better opportunities. If this is making no sense to you, I'm sorry. So I've already talked a little bit more about the consumer. I think the first aim is always try to analyze the shifting behavior so that you can you know, note it in your 401k. Since the 1980s, the drivers of American consumerism have started to fade. Baby boomers are moving past their peak in spending. The consequences of the Great Recession that we just went through, which is a protracted period of underemployment, deteriorating standards of living, should have lasting effects, particularly on younger generations. Tax rates in general have most likely bottomed. Tax tax rates have. Um, the 30-year credit boom has ended. Interest rates have most likely bottomed following a 30-year decline. So all the positives should be behind us on that level. Now, the continued growth in online shopping heightens the ability of consumers to comparison shop, which is positive. Sales periods like Black Friday and deflationary products like TVs have convinced some consumers that lower prices can be had by delay in purchases, which is negative. Payment preferences and processes are moving towards a cashless society. The ongoing secular shift away from cash and check to debit and credit cards. So trying to figure out what headwinds are for the consumer in other economies is a little bit tougher as you don't have the research capabilities that say I do. And maybe you do. Maybe you're using me as a second source, which is great. In Japan, it's a culture that promotes saving over consumption. A 20-year economic quagmire is really ingrained deflation in the country's economy. They're used to it. Japanese people have learned that lower prices are achieved just by delaying. Also, they've got low fertility rates in an aging population, which is expected to reduce the size of Japan's population greatly over the next four decades. Now, in Europe, austerity in Greece and Ireland and what's happening right now in Portugal and Spain and Italy is reducing consumption. Germany and Italy are some of the oldest populations in the world. So developed economies are the ones that you really need to focus on. And there's a change in consumer there. Chinese citizens began migrating from rural to urban areas in greater numbers in the early 1990s in conjunction with the switch to social market economy. China's urbanization is going to continue probably for another 10 to 25 years, which is actually a shorter time period than the United States and other developed nations. So you don't have a huge time to capture this. 
As economies evolve, so do consumers. This evolutionary process stems from a multitude of reasons, and it hits economics, it hits political, ideological, technological, societal, cultural. In advanced economies, the process is reaching a maturing stage as populations age and consumption growth slows. Consumption's on the rise as transition to policies geared towards driving growth through domestic demand has resulted ultimately in an increase in per capita income and the broadening of the middle class. So the change in consumer theme is a broad-reaching theme, and it should be part of your 401k, if not your individual stock selection. It's a premise that's going to be followed by you know continuing to look at advanced economics, advanced economies, the BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and maybe K, BRIC, Korea nations, and the remaining developing countries. Commodities, obviously the consumption of goods equals higher commodity usage. So there's unconventional wisdom there as well. Which, you know, will consumption slow down overall economic activity and hurt corporations? These are all things you have to really start considering as an investor if you want to be successful. Now, let's talk about some other issues out there, some dividends, some ideas as far as portfolios go, as far as where you can get some income in your portfolios. You know, Verizon and Altria are two names that have good incomes, but they also have an exposure to principal. And for instance, I got cornered the other day by someone who said, should I hold on to my AT&T now that Verizon's getting the iPhone? And I said, do you like the income? And he said, yeah. And I said, I don't like the growth potential of it. I don't like the principal of it, but I like the income. So that's on the conservative side, Verizon and Altria, in my opinion. You could also get like the MetLife Series B preferred ticker symbol METB. Um, growth and income, if you're looking for something a little bit more sexy, you'd be looking at like a Southern Copper and a ConocoPhillips because they're tied towards the commodity sides, and yet they also have a big old dividend as well. If you're looking for crazy income, like the Alliance Bernstein Income Fund, AWF, or the Western Asset High Income Fund, ticker symbol HIX, you're going to get some exposure on the downside as far as principal goes, but you're going to get a higher, uh, higher yield. I like some preferred stocks for sure, like Protective Life PLP or BB&T Capital Trust BBB-T or Morgan Stanley Preferred MWR, um, a Weingarten Realty WRI-F. But those are going to have some losers as far as principle goes, so it's definitely not for everyone. Real estate investment trusts, um, I think you can look for like a, a medical properties trust, ticker symbol MPW, or LTC properties, ticker symbol LTC. Mortgage REITs like Annaly Capital, ticker symbol NLY, or Hatteras Financial, HTS. Uh, those are some ideas. There's some energy partnerships, some MLPs like a Vanguard Natural Resources, VNR, which I think is a nice idea. Um, I think that's probably all I need to really hit you on as far as giving you some ideas on creating income inside your portfolio. I hope you got some ideas there, and I hope you see that I skewed heavily towards commodities in my liking of the growth and income angle for your portfolio. If you want some other ideas, for instance, the Aberdeen Chili Fund, ticker symbol CH. Um, Chile is a nation that has a lot of commodities. Now, another way of playing that is Southern Copper, ticker symbol SCCO. So... Not for everyone. Consult a broker advisor before taking any action on anything mentioned during this podcast, if you know what I mean. One area that I, I still very much so like to invest in is the internet 
and mobile devices and technologies along those lines. And I know that seems like a no-brainer, duh, but I like backing it up on occasion. Mobile broadband users are going to hit $1 billion in the year 2011. And to me, this is an untapped area. It's not very mature. It's kind of a wild, wild west. Um, we're going to hit 1 billion mobile broadband subscribers just months after hitting half a billion. We're going to hit a billion. So during the course of 2010, a significant milestone as far as mobile broadband subscriptions was reached as their number surpassed a half a billion mark globally. Ericsson, ex, Ericsson the big phone company, is estimating that this number is going to double before 2011 ends. Internet use on the go has soared in recent years, driven by you know cheaper computers, tablet computers like the iPad and smartphones like the iPhone and the Android. Growing data traffic is seen driving revenue for telecom operators, which is going to increase investment in network, which is going to increase revenue for gear suppliers. Asia Pacific is going to have the biggest number of subscriptions, around 400 million, followed by North America and Western Europe, with more than 200 million each. So I just told you Asia is going to be bigger than the United States and Western Europe. Network providers like Nokia, China's Huawei, Ericsson, Cisco, um, they're all going to benefit from you and me doing more online gaming, video streaming, TV watching as network operators upgrade their equipment. The equipment's not there yet. It still isn't there. So in 2008, mobile internet subscribers hit about 200 million. So we're going to top 3.8 billion by the year 2015. So the pace is actually picking up. And because it's such a non-mature market, the opportunities really aren't well-defined yet, even though you may think of companies like Google and Apple as the dominant players. I hate to cut this short, but I just looked at the clock and I got to get some uh, other projects done today. Hope you're well. Um, It'll be a short podcast this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, long one Monday and Friday. And uh, take care of yourself.
J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.